The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about the Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me, as always, we've got co-host Fishing Rick. How are you, buddy? Wingard! Wingard. What a mark, Macca. <laughs> Absolute champion. Oh, what a rip snorter. I am very, very happy sitting on the side of the road at Ardrossan once again. <laughs> my car, with the car light on, looking at the Sunday Mail, at statistics. What better way to spend a uh, Sunday night but talking about... Port Adelaide's win over St Kilda. What a way to spend a long weekend, mate. Absolutely. Brilliant. Now, we are without a guest this evening, so it's just us two. I should have brought some candles. You should. It could have been romantic. <laughs> you could, could have. have been like, it could have been a romantic uh, candlelight conversation of Port Adelaide. I'm lathering myself up in some scented massage oil as we speak. <laughs> it sounds exciting. <laughs> it's very erotic. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's scary, actually. <laughs> well, look, let's get straight into it, mate. What was your love and hate this week? Uh, my love was um, us calling for Hamish Hartlett to come back and be a leader and stand up, and um, there was no better way uh, than him doing that. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, he must, must listen to our show and our calls. And uh, but I thought he was uh, fantastic and uh, delivered exactly what we were looking for. And uh, my hate's not necessarily port-related, but I guess it does flow into our games as well. And, uh, you know, watching that Carlton-Geelong game where Menzel got that high contact right at the end, uh, it didn't really overjoy me that people are calling for that being a free kick. I think we're finding in the game too many people uh, are now sort of initiating uh, high contact either by intent or by accident. But if they're creating it, it doesn't necessarily mean... Um, it has to be a free kick. And he was falling to ground, so I don't see what else the Geelong player could do. And I guess the overall umpiring as a whole is, is starting to sort of become really difficult and inconsistent. And, yeah, yeah that's that's my hate for the week, mate. I thought it was a, the correct call as well. I mean, they brought in that rule or, or non-rule, I guess it is, where if you lead with your head, you're not going to get a free kick. So I reckon it was spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And... Yeah, I mean, it was a good call. I mean, if he was upright and that contact occurred, well, yeah, obviously every day it's a free kick. But, I mean, he was falling to ground and falling towards that Geelong player. I mean, what's that Geelong player supposed to do? Yeah, There's, that's right. That, it's, he's got no choice. And, no. Uh, no. Otherwise, uh, the only good thing would have been if he got the free kick, Geelong would have lost, which would have been great. But, anyway. Yeah. Spot on, mate. Yeah. Spot on. You, you are going to love my love this week, mate. It's, I'm excited. It, it's I'm ja- excited. It's Jasper Pittard. Oh, Jasper. <laughs> Jasper. Oh, I'm coming around. It was a wonderful game by Jasper. It was pretty much his best game ever that I've seen. Um, it was instinctive. It was dominant. It was confident. But he marked everything in sight. He ran off with conviction, ran off at the right times, used the ball well. It was the perfect game for Jasper Pittard. That's what I want to see every week. I was in tears, mate. I was—I mean, I was just crying with my wild turkey and coke last night. I was just—it was just beautiful watching that play. I thought he was magnificent as well. I mean, it was just a great game. And you know, if you're going to knock him after that game, I mean, you're never going to come round as a Jasper fan, I guess. No, that's right. But you, 
you're spot on. And I mean, he's still a work in progress, but yeah, it's two games in a row now, Macca, that he's strung together with some good consistency. So hopefully it, it continues. Absolutely. And my hate is uh, being at home, not being at the game, and therefore missing the Wingard mark live. I uh, would have loved to have been there, but decided to do the, uh, the dad thing and stay home with my two young boys and watch it at home. Um, but I got to miss the mark, unfortunately. Yeah. And what a mark it was, though. What a mark it was. Now, here's the question. Which one was better, the Freo mark or the St Kilda mark? Well, if we go into diving parlance, I reckon the first one was better. I thought, you know, just from a, a degree of technicality or, you know, technical degree, um, you know, but I guess the second mark is a lot more spectacular and, and that seems to be the mark that always sort of holds the most votes. But for me, I like the first one. What about yourself? Yeah, I think the first one was better as well. I mean, it had that half pike and a twist. Um and this one was a bit more of your classic uh, classic ride. Um, it was probably a little bit more spectacular. You probably got a little bit more airtime this time. Uh, but yeah. too, I thought the Freo one was, was slightly better. I reckon, yeah, yeah. I reckon just give him two cars. He deserves it. <laughs> we got the power to win, power to roll. Adelaide played St Kilda Adelaide Oval on Saturday uh, twilight in front of a, around about 42,000 people, which is a pretty good crowd, I thought, for a long weekend. Um, there was Absolutely. a little hiccup in that second quarter, but in the end, it was a pretty easy 70-point uh, win, 19 goals, 15 to 9 goals, 5. Uh, Robbie Gray continued his outstanding form with four goals, and uh, Chatty Wingard and Jay Schultz kicked three each. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, how I've been criticising Jay Schultz for the last couple of weeks with the, the Bomb It Long um, criticism, but I thought the delivery to Jay was a lot better this week too. I, I re- the, the midfield has really made him run to the ball instead of dropping it on his head, so sort of forced him to lead a little bit too, but it was a great performance. Um, but yeah, I think we need to uh, to go into that second quarter a little bit because it, it really mystified me. Uh, you know, we had that great start in the first and, and then St Kilda was a bit lucky, I guess, with a couple of goals. But, you know, you're going to get that in a game of footy. But yep. um, I think we we went into showboat overdrive in that second quarter. And I don't know, I feel sorry for us Port fans because I thought that was probably the worst quarter of football I've seen of any game this year. I thought it was absolutely mm. abysmal. Yeah. It wasn't great. I mean, we kicked the first four goals. It was very, very similar to the Melbourne game in where we, we got off to an absolute flyer and then we just took the foot off the pedal. I don't know if it was a little bit of complacency or we thought, you know, we'd just be able to get the job done, but you could visibly see us uh, take the foot off the pedal, just relax a little bit. And it didn't really give St Kilda a sniff as such. It just uh, turned the game into an absolute farce for about 30 minutes there. No, it was just, it was like, a, I felt like I was watching a very poor game of soccer. We were just trying to play this uncontested, chip-it-around game style. And, I mean, the noticeable thing for me when we've been trying to switch the play this year is our switches have been aggressive switches. So we've always been switching but in a forward direction, whereas in that second quarter we were just going backwards and taking the long way to try and go around, and it was just too slow. And it was almost like St Kilda was lacking intensity in the game and and it brought our boys down in intensity and... And, you know, instead of lifting another gear, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, they they just really were complacent, which was one another one of our calls, I guess, in the the preview show about the complacency. And yeah, uh, yeah just, they just got sucked in, and yeah, I reckon uh, they would have had strips torn off them in the in the halftime break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could tell we sort of. We always started playing arrogant football. I mean, I've never seen so many um, look-away handballs and handballs over your head and, you know, trying to play this sort of showtime, you know, footy. And it just didn't come off at all. And we ended up looking pretty stupid there for about 25 minutes. But you could tell just nearing the end of the second quarter, I reckon the players sort of thought, well, we've got to really knuckle down and do something before the halftime break. Otherwise, we're going to get absolutely spanked by by Kenny at halftime. Well, what was with... um... Aaron Young's handball, that was in the second quarter. He was. I don't reckon that was his fault, to be honest. I mean, it's probably a, a bit of a talking point because obviously there was the Geelong game where he, he didn't handball to Wingard. He chose to, to have a shot running into goal and hit the post. Um, he got absolutely shit-canned for it by everyone, just about all the supporters. You know, Kenny Hinckley as well said, you know, he definitely should have given the handball. And ever since then, he's been a little bit reluctant to sort of go back and, and have his shots in front of goal, I've thought. Mm. The, on the footage um, in the first quarter, there seemed to be a bit of a disagreement between Robbie Gray and uh, Kane Corns. I couldn't I couldn't see any reason for the uh, disagreement, but that was a bit of interesting dynamics there, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It looked like um, Kane uh, thought he had a pretty good lead and Robbie chose not to give him the ball when he... Um, went to someone else instead, and uh, Kane had a bit of a go at him for it. Is that something that should be happening on the ground, or is that something that um, should just be happening behind closed doors after the game? Oh, look, I think it happens every week with every forward line play. I mean, you know, players lead all the time and get pretty cranky when they're not honoured. Um, I guess it's just not shown on TV um, as clearly as that was, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, uh, I guess... It's something that I'd rather see players just bring up after the game behind closed doors. I, yeah. You know, I guess, I mean, because it, it could influence, especially the younger players yeah, on the game. And, uh, you know, but I guess, yeah, I mean, it's not the end of the world sort of thing. But, yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's plenty of players that get missed out of an opportunity every game. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, but, yeah, so, I mean, for me, the first half was... We were lucky we kicked those three goals at the end and sort of gave us a bit of forward momentum uh, coming into the second half, really, didn't it? Yep, absolutely. But, I mean, I thought Hamish Hartlett's first quarter, I mean, overall his whole game was great, but his first quarter he just stood up. Uh, I thought it was, I really had a close look at him and he's pretty massive now, isn't he? He's really added body, body shape. I haven't noticed it before this year. Well, the but, past sort of 18 months, I guess, since the start of last year, you could really tell he's had a quite a big change in his body shape and he, he is that real brute um, brute midfielder now, which is fantastic. It's what he's needed to be. Um, yeah, I'm loving his size and, and his strength and he can absolutely, you know, sort of break free of those tackles. He's got a great little sidestep on him. Um, yeah, he's turning into a fantastic midfielder. And I thought that was probably his best game of footy at AFL level. Yeah, you'd, you'd probably be close there. I think the other one would have been at... Uh, I reckon it might have been against Carlton that Eddie had last year. Was, was that with Carlton when he kicked those three goals from outside 50? Um, uh, that was a cup. That was in 2012 at Footy Park. Was it? Yep. Oh, I am getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's the other one I'm thinking of. But, yeah, he was... 
he was fantastic. And, you know, in that first half, he stood up. And I thought the other, if, we, if we're just focusing on the first half, I thought the other one to stand up in the first half was uh, Jarman Impey again. Yeah, I mean, his whole absolutely. game was great. But in that, in that first half, he was just fantastic. And I can't believe for a first-year player, uh, you know, I would have thought he might have been starting to tire out about now, but he's actually stepping up to the plate. Yeah, he's definitely just going from strength to strength. You know, you can't seem to fold him at the moment. He's he's getting more and more confidence. He's playing more and more attacking. You know, he's he's done some really good defensive jobs all year, um, but he's now finding that sort of confidence to have a bit of a run with the ball. You know, push forward, uh, break the lines a bit more, and you know, you can really see what the club was interested in at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, we made reference to it last week, and. You know, with the comment of everyone saying, oh, where did this MP guy come from, you know, in the draft? But uh, yeah, you, you can see the, the scouts obviously did their work because yep. uh, he's a fantastic player. He is, and it'll, absolutely. It'll, yep. it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he evolves his career. I, I don't think he'll be a back pocket his whole career, that's for sure. No, I wouldn't think so. I think uh, a midfield spot beckons in the future, maybe in two or three years' time. Um, you know, it, it's... You don't really want to make comparisons, but he does remind me so much of a young Andrew McLeod. Just the way he yeah. moves, the the smoothness across the turf, his kicking ability, um, his sidestep, his closing ability, the fact that he can do a great job in defence. You can just tell in the in the future he's got a midfield uh, spot for him as well. Oh, yeah, you're spot on, and I made reference to that to my neighbour. He's a port supporter up over here as well yep. uh, today when yep. we were having a chat about the footy and. Um, he, he just his movement. He just he, he runs so similar to Andrew McLeod, and he does. Yeah, you know, if he had, if he has half the career of what Andrew did, he'll be a fantastic player. But at the moment, what I'm really impressed with is his uh, judgment of the ball and his reading of the play. And uh, I can't remember. Oh, forgive me, whoever made the comment on the on the review. Um, your review thread today, but um, they 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 made a perfect exa- uh, highlighting example of uh, how Jarman knows how to zone off at the right time and get to the play, and uh, and I thought that was a very astute observation because yeah. uh, he's for a first year player, he does it fantastically well and probably uh, a little bit better than what your mate Homps is doing at the moment, which I noticed you were uh, pointed out he needs to probably work on his coming off the and zoning off a little bit better. Indeed. I mean, Impey's only 18 still. He hasn't turned 19 yet. It's bloody scary. But you are spot yeah. on. You are spot on about Homsch. Um I thought he played not too bad. Um, I don't know. I, I really struggled to rate his game because on one hand, I thought, well, defensively, he wasn't too bad. And then at other times, I thought, well, what are you doing here, son? I mean, you're just, um, you're just zoning off at the complete wrong times. And especially the, uh, the mark that Rewalt took uh, early in the game, sort of directly in front of goal, um, you thought, well, that was the only spot that the ball was ever going to go. You should have been right on his hammer. Mm, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought last week he was a little bit down as well. Yeah. And uh, and this week. But, you know, sometimes it's hard, I guess. If you get caught out on transition as well, it's going to throw your structure out a little bit also, you know, from a defensive mindset, but yeah. I'm with you. I think it, it was probably, they were probably, I mean, we're being really judgmental here, but the, you know, the probably his performance against him was a little bit off uh, what he sort of set as a benchmark for this year. But I mean, that's a good problem to have for him. I mean, we still won by 70 points and, uh, and there's room for improvement. And yeah. I thought Tom Jonas in the, uh, in that defensive unit really slotted in, um, 
Nike hasn't been missing, and tell you what, he's a bloody big boy too now, isn't he, Jonas? He is an absolute beast of a human being, that guy. <laughs> he's just an absolute tank. So what what was the change for you from the, the first half to the, the second half? We, I mean, we came out firing in that third quarter. Yeah, I think the change happened maybe with about three or four minutes to go in the second quarter. It just seemed like we... We went back to basics. That's what I had noted down about three times. We just went back to basics. We stopped the uh, the showboating football. We stopped being conceited and just went back to, you know, doing what we need to do to win a game of footy. And that's, you know, win the contested ball, win the ruck, you know, get it forward quickly, well, muck well, kick well. Simple as that. Yeah, we were definitely a lot more direct with our gameplay, weren't we? And uh, yeah. We just ran the lines, went back to running the lines instead of trying to play this uncontested um possession-based Richmond game plan and uh, yeah and the direct route was the way to go and it really opened up St Kilda and it was very similar to St Kilda's performance last week against um, Collingwood as well and uh, but yeah I I just wonder maybe if it's our young side starting to absorb some of the hype that we're is getting thrown at us and you know so they're maybe struggling uh, for a little bit of motivation against the, the lesser teams at the moment so to speak and and just sort of have one eye maybe on the on the more glamour games, which you know we've got a big one coming up this week, and and so uh, the boys are uh, yeah taking that little bit of showboating mentality, which I'm sure uh, uh, Ken wouldn't be a big fan of at this point in time. No, I don't think so. I thought it was really good to go back to basics and, and do the normal things well, get the bread and butter right, um, and I thought we did that well. Um, I thought our forward structures were much better, as you touched on a bit earlier. Um, it was great to see Schultze leading towards the bowl again um, and the midfielders honouring his leads. Um, you know, Wingo was always a threat up there, as was Robbie Gray. Um, the midfielders just did a fantastic job. I mean, Hartlett was best on ground. Ollie Wines, again, for a second-year player, just his ability to to win the hard bowl and dish off just the most ridiculous handballs that always hit the target is phenomenal for someone of his age. Mm. And I thought also Kane Corns did a fantastic job in stopping Lee Montagna as well yeah and i mean ollie wines is just a, a beast of a player and a you know, i think they were joking around on the on the broadcast be the first hundred kilo uh midfielder you know but he's just he's a tank and i mean he's he racked up 26 disposals and it was just another an ollie wines game you know yeah. i mean we should really be saying how good is this guy for a just a, a second-year player and how he's really dominating. I mean, he's going to be scary good in a couple more years' time. Absolutely. Um, yep. And, you know, it's it's great to see. And it's also great. Thanks, Melbourne, once again for uh, passing on him. But uh, mm. yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, he does sort of fly under the radar a bit. I don't think he gets anywhere near the press that he deserves, but I think that's probably a good thing as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, it's a bit hard. It's all a, It's all about the chat, isn't it? What is it with the name, Chad? I don't know. It's a good name for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if you're talking about the forward structure, what about you You, you weren't overly convinced with uh, Trengove up forward? Uh, yes and no. I thought he started well in the fir- sort of the first 15 minutes of the first quarter, but then he just completely went out of the game and, and didn't really do much. And I thought he, he looked a lot better when he went back in defence. Yeah, he's definitely a lot more solid as a defensive player, but yeah. I still think we, you know, I've been banging on for it for weeks now about us needing that um, third tool. And yeah. I think our forward structure seems to benefit 
from that third tall. And I mean, even under Primus, we we seem to be reluctant to carry that extra tall uh, player in the side, and that still seems to carry through with Ken, who, who definitely wants a, a running machine, and uh, and therefore uh, you know we seem to still go one tall short, and it, it doesn't overly hurt us. And yeah. I thought our other call that we spoke about in the preview was uh, Lobie bashing up longer, and yep. uh, he definitely did that, didn't he? He did that in style, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably you know, his had... best game, to be honest. Uh, Matty Lobie, I thought he, he had an absolutely fantastic game. Where did he have, like, 40, 45 hitouts or something and just com- just went into beast mode against Billy Longer, who's, you know, a former first-round draft pick. He's, you know, he's leading the Ruckets and Kilda at the moment. It's probably a year or two too early for him to do that. Um, but the yeah. thing that I really liked most about Lobie's game wasn't the fat, wasn't the uh, quantity of the hitouts he was getting, but it was the, absolutely the quality of the hitouts that he was giving to his midfielders. Thirty percent to advantage. Yeah, it's a good figure. Yeah, 16, 16 pressure acts, eight tackles, five marks. He had a great it's game. A, yeah, a, I thought that was his best game. game. That that was his best game at AFL level. Um, you know, he's he's around the. Groundwork was excellent, and once again, he kicked a fantastic goal as well. Absolutely, I, I can't argue with that. I, I was happy, and, that, and that's what we wanted. He's a mature man now, and he was coming up against a more immature opponent. and And this is sort of the performance that he needs to be delivering. and And it's good to see that he he's stepping up to the plate. Um, so, should we talk about the Chad in isolation for a couple of minutes? I mean, twenty three possessions. His possession numbers were up. This week, compared to the bulk of the season, uh, ten marks, uh, nine contested possessions. Uh, how many goals? Three. Three goals. goals. Yep. Yeah, it was obvious that he played a little bit higher up the uh, up the ground this week without um, Matty White and uh, Travis Boke there. And I must admit, I do like seeing Chad run up the ground a little bit more. He's oh, just got such creativity. He's very yeah, good. He's, got, he's very good as a midfielder. He is a very good midfielder, uh, yeah. but he's also probably too good to miss up forward as well. Um, but I thought his move into the midfield, because we threw him into the midfield with a couple of minutes left in the second quarter, and that really got us going. And you know, he spent probably half the third quarter up there as well, um, up the ground a little bit. And, you know, he was just fantastic. That, that was yeah. that was his best game for the year, I thought. And, um, you know, when he goes into God mode like that, he's just about unstoppable. Yeah, apparently they were joking around on the radio that you know they were trying to double team him and it still wasn't working. You know, his uh, his overhead marking and his reading of the play is second to none. And uh, you know he, you know, and he's the talk of the media town on the you know today and and last night. And uh, you know he's yeah you know, we're lucky we're lucky to have Chad as a player and he seems to be very well grounded. And I mean, well, I guess we're talking about all the uh, all his parts or statistics in the game, but. I guess one thing sometimes we can forget, he had 18 pressure acts. Yeah. You know, it was the third most, equal third most pressure acts of the team. So he's willing to do the hard stuff as well as the glamorous stuff. And that that's what's going to make him the complete footballer. If he keeps putting up those sort of numbers and, and performance in his decent defensive aspects of his game, plus the offensive, he's, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You know, it was a great response from, from Chad, and it was a great response from all our leaders, really, after, you know, we all sort of criticised them last week. But, you know, we've spoken about Lobie, we've spoken about Wingard, Hartlett was fantastic, 
Um, we've touched a little bit on corns as well. Um, but Polek was excellent, even though he, he sort of rolled his ankle or twisted an ankle or something. He was very, very good. Um, Bobby Carlisle was back to his best. He killed Tom Lee. And Brad Ebert was back to his hard-running best as well. Absolutely. He, uh, uh, I mean, nothing actually came out in the media about Brad with his performance last week, but he must have been injured or unwell or something. And yeah. I guess the other one, the other one, I, I probably a harsh marker on Kane Mitchell. Um, you know, and I thought he was probably a little bit down, but you know, when I went through the paper this morning and, and had a look at his, uh, you know, his stats, he still racked up reasonable numbers with the ball. And again, if we go to the pressure acts, the defensive side of his game, he was, uh, second highest with uh, with 20 for the team. So yep. defensively, he's really putting that pressure on. I guess similar criticism to what people have with Pittard, sometimes his disposal is a little bit questionable, but yeah. um, he's a tough one. I think I, I, I think I judge him a little bit harshly at times, Kane, and he probably did his job uh, amicably well on the weekend. I think we all probably criticise him a bit because for half the game he doesn't really do much sort of thing. He, he mm. really struggles to get going. It takes him a long time to get going. And when the heat's out of the game, that's when Kay Mitchell sort of starts to shine because of his superior fitness base. So he had, once again, he had, uh, I think, five touches to half time and then had 13 touches in the second half. And I think they're pretty similar numbers to what he normally gets um, in sort of like a first half, second half differential there. Yeah, Absolutely. And I, I guess it's the same sort of aspect of what I was talking about with Aaron Young um, last week. It's I don't want them out of the side. I just want them to show us supporters they want to be kept in the side, yep. and you know, and just really step up to the plate and and earn it. Where you know they're not they're keeping their spot, but they're not really commanding their spot. Um, and that's the next evolution. I thought Ben Newton came on, you know, in that third quarter and and played very well. Yeah, uh, I thought he, I thought he had good influence, and he was an interesting choice as sub. To be honest, uh, I didn't think he was probably a sub player, you know, with his skill set and everything. And I would have loved to have seen him play a whole game, uh, but you know, I thought he did well as uh, as a sub, and and hopefully he gets to hold his spot this week and maybe gets to play a whole game. Yeah, had a good last quarter. Ended up with twelve touches, which is pretty good for what about I think he had twenty four percent time on ground. So. J- just about a quarter of footy and 12 touches. That yeah. was good. He really should have nailed that goal, though. That was a bit of a clanger. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed his contested work and his ability to put his head over the bowl and, and get it forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So was there anyone you were disappointed with or was it too hard to be disappointed with anybody? Probably Youngy, I thought, uh, was a little bit disappointing. Um, even though he, he copped a really bad knock to his shoulder, um, I just thought, his uh his instinctiveness wasn't there this week, um, and normally I like that part yeah. of his game. Um, I just thought he made quite a few errors, even um, pushing away that that silly handball aside. I thought he made probably three or four other errors, which um yeah, which which weren't great and might cost him his spot in the side this week because with uh, with Boak and White and probably Monfrey's coming back, we're going to need to find three players to go out, and I think he's going to be in the gun mm-hmm. this week. Well, how did you find uh, Sam Gray's performance coming back into the side? It was all right. I think um, I have the same sort of opinion of him as what I do with Kane Mitchell, where I think if you're at the ground, you sort of think, well, he hasn't really done much. But when you watch the replay, you sort of notice all these other little things that he does. Like, I really like how he finds the space in front of his opponent, um, especially on the lead. 
um, mm-hmm. coming up across those flanks and across half forward there. He always seems to find that sort of two or three metre gap on his opponent so he can win the ball. Uh, the problem that I've, I found with his game yesterday was that he often fumbled that first touch and that sort of um, that sort of made void that sort of gap that he was able to get on his opponent. Um, but other than that, I thought he wasn't yeah. too bad. I think, again, he's probably going to be in the same boat as Young where he's he's just going to be out of the side because we've got other better players coming back in. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see a bit more of him at AFL level. Yeah, uh, he just to me he just seems to lack a little bit of top end speed. Um, yeah, but other not, than that, he's but yeah. no, no, and I've, I think for a you know to be in the AFL side with that sort of size and stature, you sort of need to be a bit of a jet, don't you, to be a permanent sort of player. Yeah, um, that's probably that's probably going to be his biggest knock against him, I would imagine. But yep. I mean, if you look at our key stats, you know, the marks inside fifty, we had eighteen to their five. Yep. I mean, it's just ridiculously good mm. and again we're still tracking around that 60 inside 50s and held St Kilda the 34 so our inside 50 differential uh, for and against you know is just sublime uh, as it has been all season so definitely it, you know shows we're just dominating mm. so who was your top five uh, I had uh, Hamish Hartlett as top I thought he was fantastic uh, Robbie Gray, uh, again, another fantastic performance. And it's a shame Gary Ablett plays the game because he'd, he'd almost be uh, uh, right up there to, to win the Brownlow. But you, you never know. Footy's a funny game. So mm. if he keeps putting up numbers like that, he's going to be pushing really hard. Um, Chad Wingard had him third. Uh, Matt Loby fourth. And oh, oh, it's so, there's just so many. I mean, yeah. you, you can throw a blanket over a lot of them and I'll put my J-Dog in there as fifth best for his uh, backing up from the previous week. Good stuff. Love it. Yeah, I had Hamish as, uh, as best on ground. 36 touches, 8 marks and a goal. It was in my opinion his best game at AFL level and we called it in the preview. We wanted a big one and he delivered. I thought it was his best four-quarter uh, four game since the showdown. Um, Matty Loby I had as second best against a young ruck but that was his best game at AFL level as well. Um, the quality of hitouts was higher than we normally get from him, and I thought his around the ground week was very, very good as well. Uh, Robbie Gray, I mean, I've just run out of things to say about this guy. He's just too good at the moment. He's unstoppable. Um, you just can't stop him, whether he's marking on the lead, whether he, whether he's winning the hard ball in the midfield or up forward. You know, he, four goals and three goal assists. I mean, that's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Jasper Pittard, the J-Dog, you know, 25 touches, 13 marks. He just His best game at AFL level by a mile. He dominated that half-back line ran with conviction and used the ball well. Um, that's the standard that I think Jasper needs to aspire to every week, not just uh, once, you know, every five or six weeks now. And uh, Big Jarman Impey, I mean, he just continues to improve with every showing. We've said it before, but, you know, it's beyond our wildest expectations, I think. And that, that one-handed pick-up and goal from uh, from 50, I mean, that was just lightning. Oh, Absolutely amazing. Lightning. Absolutely. And i got to say, honourable mention to uh, Kane Corns, who kept uh, Lee Montagna... Uh, to his second lowest disposal count in the last three seasons. What happened with the SA and a Phil Macca? It was a pretty interesting game. Um, Port ran out to maybe lucky winners in the end by 13 points. It was 14 goals, 7 to 12 goals, 6. Um, Nathan Cracker, Jakey Need, uh, Mitch Harvey and Robbie Young all kicked two goals for the winners. 
Um, it was a pretty interesting game. I mean, we we led at quarter time seven goals, one to one goal. We kicked something like four or five goals in the last six or seven minutes of the first quarter, as we have done numerous times this year. Um, and then it, the the sort of heat went out of the game a little bit. Centrals did a really good job of of containing us uh, for the middle two quarters, and then they kicked four goals to start the uh, the last quarter. Got back to within six points, and they had a shot on goal with a at around about the twenty minute mark. Um, which would have leveled the scores, but they kicked it out on the full and we ended up uh, running it down the other end and uh, and kept it down that uh, that end of the ground for, for a few minutes and ended up kicking the sealer with Benny Harron kicking a goal at the 24-minute mark, which uh, sealed the game. So it was a pretty lucky win in the end. Yeah, but I guess we had the uh, we had a fair few outs too, didn't we? So yeah, we've, um, we've got about uh, we've got about uh, 12 or 13 players out of that side at the moment, I think. So. To have that amount of uh, yeah. that amount of talent out of the side, I thought we did a fantastic job to still get over the line. Absolutely, I was half expecting us maybe to drop this game this week, just with all the you know good players that are out of the t- team. So, yeah. uh, but for those players to come in and and the existing players to stand up is a is a great effort. Yep. I noticed uh, Jay Butch didn't top the goal scorers list. No, Jay Butch wasn't very good. Um, a lot of people have been pretty critical of his game. He had 10 touches, 6 marks and a goal. He kicked one goal, three. I think he missed two goals from the goal square uh, from about 10 metres out. Um, mm. And then got thrown down back for, for a bit of time in the last quarter as well. Right. I don't know. It's starting to get a bit of a worry now, isn't it? Mm. It's sort of... Um, he just needs to string some good games together in a row. He seems to be kicking five goals one week and then can't get a kick the next. Uh, so he just needs to find that bit of consistency in his game. Well, it's, I don't know. For me, it's not even about the consistency in the game. It's It sounds like there's minimal improvement in his, his actual goal kicking itself. And as a key, as a key forward and a, or a forward target, yeah, you know, even Treadray was a little bit shaky early on, but he kept working on it, and but he still had the fundamentals there. Whereas, um, you know, John seems to be a, a real worry, and you know I want him to make it, and I want him to make it as a port player. But you know to be in the a, this is his what fifth year in the AFL system now, yep. and yep. Um, you know I I just don't from what well, I must admit I don't see a lot of it, but but from what I hear and from other people's opinions, there just seems to be a, a lot of lack of improvement in that goal kicking, which is a for me. Just don't know how after five years in an AFL system there can't be any improvement at all, especially when you got Jay Schultz that should be a fantastic mentor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you'd think it would have improved. And look, he does have pretty good uh, goal kicking accuracy this year, just on a pure um, on paper point of view. But he, I mean, he does have a lot of sort of out on the fools and not scored from shots at all and all that sort of stuff. So probably looks better than what it actually is. Yeah. So what about our um, player player sponsor, uh, Brennan Archie? Did he have a, a noticeable game? Uh, statistically, he wasn't bad. He had 17 touches and six marks, but I don't think he did a, a hell of a lot with the ball. I think uh, quite a few people have said he was quite a bit disappointing and, and just should have been able to, to do a little bit more with it than what he ended up doing. So who were the uh, the better players for the, for the Maggies then this week? Oh, look, uh, Stevie Summerton just keeps on keeping on. He had 27 touches again. Uh, Tommy Logan was great across half-back and uh, and pushing through the midfield. He had 31 touches and nine marks. 
Um, Daniel Flynn was absolute lightning. He had 23 touches, six marks, and five uh, rebound 50s. And, and you know, the, the, the crowd is starting to, to get that real sort of excitement to them. Um, every time he goes near it, you know, there's that whole sort of Flynny, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, yeah. he's going to be an absolute cult hero for this footy club for a long time, I think. Um, Nathan Cracker was very good. He kicked a couple of goals and, and played a very similar game to what Jasper Pittard did uh, down back. Um, and Darcy Byrne-Jones just uh, keeps on improving. He was fantastic with 24 touches as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually quite excited about Flinny. I, hopefully I can find some time to, to try and get out and see a game with him live this season because uh, I just want to see him in action and just see what he can uh, what he can show because yep. there's something about his... I know his physique and the style of play that he presents that just sort of screams that he'll be a, a fantastic AFL player and it'll be good just to see him in the formation of his uh, career and what he does and, and how he evolves from there. Yeah. I mean, getting the amount of the ball that he does now and, and with the accuracy with how he delivers it, I mean, he's not too far off. It's just yeah. you know, he's only sort of 5 to 10% off getting a game at AFL level and it's really just a matter of him continuing to develop, keeping his confidence levels high, um, his teammates getting around him, um, and you never know, maybe next year he might get some games. Well, it's amazing to think, you know, as an international rookie, um, you know, he's, the last few weeks he's been getting over 20 possessions, and I guess we were all just wondering about his ability to read the gameplay, and he's able to do it fantastically well. You can't get 20-odd possessions and not be able to read the game. So no, That's right. Yeah, and he's he's just got those AFL attributes, doesn't he, with his size, speed, you know, blend of endurance. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, we, we, uh, speak about, yeah. Uh, we speak about the size of Tommy Jonas and how much of a beast he is, but, I mean, Daniel Flynn looks very, very similar, and he's probably three times as quick. I mean, he's just a, yeah. such an explosive player, and we've spoken about him a lot on this podcast, and I think it's pretty clear that we're very, very eager to see what he can do in his career. Absolutely. Well, I guess where where is it for him? He's how long can he be a rookie on the on the list? A couple of years, Carney. Well, he's not even on. Yeah, part of the international rookie. I think he's uh, he's got a two year contract on that. Um, so he's definitely going to be here for another year. Um, and you would think, I would think even at the end of this year, we'd look at uh, putting him on on the main list. To be honest, I think. He'd, well, that's he's what, definitely that's what I was. Gonna, that's what I was just about to ask you. You know, is it? Yeah, you know, if he keeps racking up this sort of uh, numbers in a game and influence in a game, surely the club will just upgrade him oh, you there and then. So. Yeah, you would why, think so. Why even bother playing playing these games of keeping as an international rookie? I mean, just get him on the get him on the list and let's get him in the side. It, I mean, have Jasper playing like Jasper is now and have Flynn playing down there would just be, I don't know, excitement scary. plus, mate. Excitement plus. Oh. Wouldn't it? I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> more candles in the car while we're more talking. More locker room tickets. More locker room <laughs> tickets. Well, I, I gave some away this week again, and uh, the recipients were very, very excited, and they, I, I had a couple of text messages uh, enjoying the show. So I'm glad they, uh, I'm glad they liked it, and uh, yeah, they had another, uh, another good win, and I'm very excited about. Um, this weekend coming up for looking forward to the chat on that on Thursday night. And I guess there was one other thing that we didn't bring up with the review uh, was the comments on uh, in the media about the, the grass potentially being too long 
and Adelaide Oval and a bit dewy and a bit slippery. What do you think about that? I think it's a load of crap, to be honest. Well, it doesn't look that long to me. No, it looks in fantastic condition. I I thought the uh, the MCG grass seems to be longer than the Adelaide Oval grass, and yeah. surely in this day and age, AFL players can get their boots right. You would think so, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to hear a few comments uh, on the forum after you put the podcast up of the people that were able to make the game if the, if the dew did set in. I mean, we've been pretty lucky with the weather in Adelaide so far this year, and um, we haven't had much dew at the games that we played. So, yeah, it's a shame that we both missed it. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear if uh, anyone's got any comments on whether it was dewy or not. Yep. All right. Well, I reckon we might leave it there for now. Absolutely. Can, uh, it is fantastic, and I, I might go and launch off my fireworks now. <laughs> so, Good uh, stuff. Hey, yeah, we let, we let off a couple last night, and... Uh, got in trouble because we let off a test one and then no one saw it except for us and uh, I got in trouble with the missus. So I think everyone's... Uh, we're going to launch the rocket tonight. So if I'm not on Thursday, something might have gone wrong with the uh, with the rocket. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, have a good one, Macca. Yeah, you too, buddy. Go the power. Uh, go the power. Go the Maggies. Gray was brave, running hard, more getting forward. One last chance, boat brilliant, winds. Monfrey's centering ball, Cassisi. <laughs> you know who again. It is his birthday. <laughs> Kid's a freak. <laughs> <laughs>